Welcome to WMFA, a podcast where writers talk writing. I'm Courtney Ballastier, and this week I'm talking with Taylor Larson. Taylor's debut novel, Stranger Father Beloved, was published last year by Simon & Schuster. She's currently at work on her second novel, which happens to be set in my home state of West Virginia. Taylor is a graduate of Columbia University's MFA program, and she has taught at Columbia, Brooklyn's Sackett Street Writers Workshop, and Pace University. Stranger Father Beloved takes an unsparing, often dark look at the inner workings of a family after its patriarch decides to replace himself with a man he sees his wife chatting with at a party. Taylor spent years writing and rewriting the book, but it didn't find a home until after she realized that her ending was all wrong, and then did even more rewriting to correct it. At her Brooklyn apartment, we talked about writing without ego, engaging with your characters, and the surreal experience of debut authorship. The beginning is scary. Going on faith that there's something here that you're kind of just like, well, here we go. And I, I think it's like free fall. Maybe you want to start with talking about the experience of writing Stranger Father Beloved. Well, I started in at the end of um, undergraduate and, you know, went through graduate school with it, uh, put it away for some periods. And then at the end of graduate school, worked with one-on-one with some mentors. And then uh, basically worked on it a little bit after after school. And um, it had a different ending, which was not the right ending for a while. And I was shopping it to agents. And um, it just felt something wasn't quite right with it. And apparently they did too. So I changed, I changed it. And it has its correct ending. So a lot of it was, you know, once I'd written it and polished it and I knew it was ready, it was it was finding that agent and um, getting your foot in the door. And for me, it took a few years. And, you know, it was a lot of uh, just going on faith um, from what my close friends and writing mentors had said, this is meant to be published. And it took several years, though. And um, then once I found my agent, it all went really quickly from there. But um, yeah, just uh, a, a lot. It probably took me four to five years to write and then four to five years to find the right agent. And you talked about that and not having the right ending. Did you feel that from the beginning? Or I mean, maybe not in quite that way, but it felt, did it feel off? Or did, was that only kind of later that you realized? I remember I was in my final year at school and somebody I was working with really pushed me to finish the book. And I was going out of town. I was working on it up in Cape Cod, and he was just like, "Just finish it." And um, you know, because I was kind of stalling, and I so I just kind of cranked it out. I was really like caffeinated, and I was really into it. Had a fire going, and um, I I knew there was two two possible endings, and I I I just went with one, not really completely sure, and um. I I wasn't sure after if it was right. I didn't know if it was right or wrong. And they didn't either. They they liked the way it was written. It had its merits, but it wasn't the correct one for that book. So I got to correct that before it was published. And for that, I'm grateful. And how has it informed now you writing the second book? Do you feel like there's a lot you can take with you or does it just feel like a brand new process? It, it's a lot easier now. Um, I... Basically, just going through the editing process with my editor, she was very rigorous, which I really appreciated because um, I'm that way. I'm, I like to be rigorous with myself and with when I edit other people. I'm not like a professional editor, but when I do manuscript consults. I like to be rigorous and um, 
So I just learned a lot about editing, and I think just the process for the first book, I just learned a ton about which which chapters really worked, which ones we needed to work a lot more on with my editor, which ones were kind of done. What, you know, um, this book now, I mean, it's it definitely takes time. I have to kind of, you know, put the time in to do each scene, and to, but there's not the same feeling of, um, wait, how do you, you know... Writing your first novel, you're thinking, um, you know, how do you structure a the arc of a single chapter and make it flow in the bigger arc, and how do you do all that? And, you know, I was really intimidated to, I think most, you know, MFA students are scared to write a novel. It's scary, and you don't, and you know, so I was, I'll write a novella, you know, so I was reading a ton of novellas in short, short novels, and um, finally got my novella length. And then, you know, and now I'm not afraid of, yeah, a longer form. I think it's, I actually don't know if I could ever really go back to writing short stories seriously because I just love to, I love, I love the novel form so much. Um, It's funny. I think the short thing is also a little bit of a trap because I think it's actually harder in a lot of ways. And it seems the length would, you know, equal easier, but it doesn't. Yeah. I've worked on some of the same stories for like for eons, really. Same stories. It's like polishing, you know, there's just one paragraph that's just not right. And with a novel, I feel like it's a lot easier to. I don't know. I, I just, for some reason, I love. There's so many other things that I struggle with as a writer and that are, you know, difficult, but the writing and the editing for novels is, is pleasurable. I mean, although there are, of course, moments where it's stressful, but in general, um, I like to have a longer romp. And um, I do think, you know, the, the beginning of a new novel, I think I would, I don't want to speak for all novelists, but I think for a lot of novelists, or probably most, even if they've done 10 books, the beginning is scary because you just, you don't have much to hang your hat on and you're kind of just Wait, you know, you're going on faith that there's something here that's really going to hook you and going to hook everyone else. And so you're kind of just like, well, here we go. And I, I think it's like free fall. You know, it's, it's, I think it's terrifying. So for me, the beginning of the second novel was a little terrifying because I, I felt compelled to, to write this character, but I didn't, I didn't have enough details of the world yet. I didn't have enough, um, you know, details about the surrounding characters. So and I had, and that's normal because I had to create them and I had to, you know, but it was just like, oh my gosh, it's like, the beginning is scary. And then finally get to a point where it's like, there's enough that's created that feels authentic. That you're like, okay, it's going to be okay. There is a world here and it's emerging. What was the germ of the first book? I think it must have come from some moment. I do remember vaguely being at a party and seeing somebody who had a different spouse talk to somebody flirtatiously who was not their spouse and I must have filed that away or something of like you know you because know, couples are so complicated and there's all this stuff going on behind the scenes and you know um so yeah that that thought and basically from that thought I thought okay what what kind of person is in such a situation and is feeling so desperate that he wants to go to all this trouble of basically kind of Court, courting this person into his his marriage and and doing it so that he can he can leave and he can also leave her with somebody else and not just abandon her and um you know what kind of person is in that 
situation. I find it a lot easier to write sort of darker and more um, troubled characters than I do, which I don't, you know, um, I don't think any character is straightforward. It, you know, some people appear to be more straightforward and some people are less tortured, but everybody's got a lot of layers. But I, I'm drawn to, I guess, particularly tortured characters. How do you approach a new project? You know, are you an outliner or a planner? Do you just kind of free write and see what happens? I usually have a sense. I have, um, I have to have a sense of a character and something happening. Um, usually a strong sense of the mood of a piece and a sense on a gut level of, of what, where it's going, and, which is usually to a dark place. But I don't, I don't map out what's going to happen because I don't know. So I went, cause I, I think of it as discovery process when I'm writing, I have the, um, the characters, you know, inform me, um, of what they want to do. So at certain times I'll, 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 I'll start to kind of freeform outline, which is like, I'll, if I'm into a project, I can start to maybe like chapter five, I know it's going to be about from this guy's perspective because I like to do multiple perspectives. So I'll start a little bit on this guy's perspective, but I'm not quite sure exactly what it's going to all be yet. So I'll, I'll leave it and go to chapter six. But in general, I don't like to do that. I like to fill them out as I go. Um, and, and, uh, but I have started to be a little more organized in the terms of like, writing a separate sheet with all the characters' names and how old they are and what their full names are. And, you know, because I, it's like a sensible thing to do to like, you know, try to, then otherwise you're just looking through, what was that person's name? Oh yeah. He's married to, okay. Yeah. Da, da, da. Which is what I did in the first book. I didn't write anything out in any organized manner. Do you write in word? Yeah. So you're just, you've got one document you're just plowing through start to finish. Pretty. I mean, yeah, this one, and it was so weird because this second book is is it's rounding the bend to being finished, and like I had just had it on my laptop, which was having issues, and I hadn't like saved it anywhere. I'm like, what am I doing? You know, I have to back this up. Like, what's your writing schedule like? You know, I read an essay of yours where you say that you like to write between the hours of eleven and four. Yeah. Do you go straight through that whole time? Well, it depends. I mean, like if I'm, I like to, I really love to to get out in the country to write. Um, so like if I go there we have a cabin in uh in the woods if I can go out there and if I'm really cooking you know let's say I start at 11 if I were to go to 3 or 4 in the afternoon it would be a rare day that I would go to like 5 o'clock and write for 6 hours I mean that would be a really wonderful day and that would be um that was that kind of writing was common during the editing process with my editor like I would just, I was so grateful to finally be working with a, a really accomplished editor, and she really understood what I was trying to do. And I really, w you know, enjoyed doing all the edits she wanted me to do. So I would, if I didn't do more, if I did a couple hours on those days, it felt like, no, there's more, do more, do more. But now I find um, maybe like two or three hours, I kind of have to feel my way through. There will be certain weeks where it feels really, really good to write almost every day or every other day. For example, if I'm driving around West Virginia and I'm getting all these ideas about about the setting and the characters, and then I'm compelled to write. But um, if I'm at a place where I'm kind of stuck and I don't know where the book is going next, and I try to force myself to write, I can start to kind of do a little damage. So I leave, I kind of, but 
you know, you, you have to show up and sit down and try. So um, it's, it goes anywhere from once a week to like three or four times a week. And then when I'm, you know, really editing, really like finishing a book, you know, writing, writing every day. I don't know if I've ever written, every, you know, six days out of the week would be like, whoa. In that same essay, you have this great quote about courting your characters. And you talk a lot about also how your ego can get too involved in the process, which I think is really interesting. And I'm curious, first and foremost, how you trained yourself to spot that. I think writing is the one place I have such a reverence for books. Like I've, I grew up obviously loving books, you know, the the classics and others that when I sit down to write, if I'm not coming from it's the one place in that same essay I talk about, it's the one time where I don't try to control it. And as a younger writer, I think I, you know, I had a lot more because I didn't have the craft skills yet. And so I just didn't understand. So I was constantly going between trying to figure it out in my brain and then, you know, having these wonderful times when I'd be overtaken by writing and it'd be kind of streaming out, which we all love when that happens. <clears throat> As time has gone on, I find my best writing just comes out, um, and it's not, it's, 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 yeah, it's not, um, there's no ego in that, and I feel like I'm, in a lot of other areas of my life, I can be very fearful, or I can be very controlling, and with writing, I really, I just, I don't know, there's a reverence for it that I'm just aware that Maybe at some point in my MFA, I started to just, I think I took this passage once from one book and just plunked it down in another one just to see if I could get away with it. And everyone who read that passage and was just like, what is this? This You know, and it's like, it didn't, even though it it logically fit in there, it wasn't coming from the book. And, you know, there was another project I was working on before this one. It was much more from my head. It was an idea I had. Some of the character stuff was was very or it was very um, coming from a gut level, but it was an idea I had of something that I thought would be great to pitch. That kind of writing is like useless for me to do anything like that. I have to. I'm not. I, I'm not. You know, I'm a, a cerebral person, and I obviously need to use your brain skills to you know write well and stuff. But it's really letting go. Writing for me is letting go, and it's it feels. And how you asked how I was able to do that. I think I just, I just, I guess I just felt over time that I, I learned enough through writing enough and that I could let go. And I have had some great editors and mentors who have helped me shape what comes out. So I trust the editing process and I know it doesn't have to come out perfectly the first time. Um, and I think writing is really fun. I mean, it's, it's kind of terrifying, especially when you're writing dark stuff. But it's to me, it's like an adventure. So if I were to take an adventure in the woods where I'm supposed to just, you know, somehow get to the top of this mountain, if I were to try to like plot it all out and be all serious about it, it would take away the fun of the adventure. And I wish I really want to be able to be able to be this way in all the other aspects of my life, because then I would just be a totally happy person. But with writing, it's the one place where I'm just like, I wouldn't dare to try to impose my will on it. It just would feel like, um, 
well, this is like an extreme word, but blasphemous. So what do you do when you feel that creeping in? Yeah, if, if I start to, I don't do it very much, but if I can start to feel that I'm, I'm in my head, I'll stop. I'll put it away for the day. I'll, you know, I try to write after I meditate. Um, I try to, I just click a different switch on in my brain that, um, I think because in so many other areas of my life, I'm so analytical and kind of obsessive and sort of the opposite of what, <laughs> that for some reason when I'm writing, I can, it's like I click on a different part and uh, that part gets clicked off. And that's why I'm so devoted to doing this because it's, it's, um, it's coming from a, pu- a pure place. And I'm trying to figure out how to just be that way all the time and just sort of let things happen and not be so <laughs> controlling. But I haven't quite figured it out beyond, beyond writing and stuff. It's so funny because writing is such a, an act of control. I mean, you're controlling everything that is coming out. It's just funny that it has that sort of more calming effect. I feel, I know what you mean because it's all coming from, but I mean, I believe in like, you know, like the great, you know, they talk about this in school and the great stream of literature where the stories are. And I think, I think our individual experiences and our personalities, you know, shape what, what stories we tell, of course, like if, if certain things have happened to you that have, you know, marked you in a certain way you're going to be more drawn to a character who might have certain attributes similar to yourself, of course. But I believe it's kind of like, I'm not, I'm not going to say like what's channeled. I just know any of the writing where I sit down and try to make things up, it's like, it might be some nice prose, but it's not. I feel the characters really do have a life of their own. And it's like, I just, I don't know. I think I really maybe had to work on my craft a long time enough where I can kind of let go. Can you talk a little bit about the MFA experience? I mean, it was it was really, you know, and really intense. I mean, you were at Columbia. I was at Columbia and I, you know, I, you know we all felt at times like we were torn apart. Like, you know, and I, you know, I was a little cocky. I thought, you know, like, I didn't revise a lot. Like I would turn something in and then I had a couple of professors, one in particular, who was just like, really came down hard on me. It was just like, you have to revise this like, you know, several times before you bring this to class. It's going to. And it, it, I really appreciated that advice because I was, he's, he's right. And I, and I went and I was much more rigorous in, in after I wrote it, editing it. I think the best thing a person can get out of an MFA is finding a mentor who really loves your work. Um, but then, I, you know, I had teachers who maybe didn't love my work as much, but I still learned a lot from them. Um, there were certain days where I felt like I was really, you know, making a huge impact. And I was, you know, this is such a wonderful experience. There's other days where after being workshopped, you're just like, you know, you just feel like you've been completely dismantled. And I think that's, that's really good prep for a writer, obviously, for, you know, when you, you know, have to face critical reviews and, you know, have to face rejections, trying to get an agent, face rejections from getting an editor, like, it's a lot of rejection. So, and writers are notoriously, as you know, sensitive, sweet people who kind of, a lot of them holding on by, a th- you know, that's the stereotype. I think it's true of a lot of a lot of writers, and so it it, it really toughened me up in a way, um, and um, helped me, you know, helped me really uncover my voice. All the books we read, I mean, you know, the Aspern papers, like all these books I might never have read, you know, and then you know to click into this whole other type of writing that I I, I love that I hadn't read, like Death in Venice, 
Uh, my writing mentor, Jaime Manrique, just, and Karen Russell was in our class, and she turned me on to um, Carson McCullers, who I had never read for some reason. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, Carson McCullers is now like my, one of my favorite writers. And so we just had people, this, just these, you know, little moments that like, you know, the fact that Jaime chose the syllabus, chose Death and Venice, chose a, a Simple Heart, the Flaubert book, and a couple other books. So I'm, yeah, I'm really, it was, it was a wonderful experience even though it was hard at times. Have you tried, you know, co-working spaces, stuff like that? I can't write in those places. I, try, I tried, and I, and I love, a lot of them are great. Like, I, I, I was a member of Paragraph, but for me, when I'm doing fiction writing, I can't, I can't be around other people. Like, there's, no, there's just no way. I have to at least be in my own room. Because you talk out loud some, right? You wrote in that oh, essay okay. as well. I won't just sit and talk to the keyboard, like, asking the questions, but a sort of... Um, just sit and wait and and have a question in my mind like okay what is it what is it that's supposed to happen next? like what does what what actually happened to her and then, and then I'll sit and then I'll I'll just stare at it and and usually I'll go and then make a coffee and then talk to the cats you know put a log on the fire like I just get in this weird space and then so if someone else were around I'd probably just feel self-conscious or yeah I think it's a lot easier to really enjoy um it's been easier for me to kind of go into that full writing zone, um, like going away for a week by myself when you're being supported or by the industry, like when you have an agent and you have a book deal. I would still do these trips by myself before I had an agent. And I was going on faith that this was all going to lead to towards me having a career. But it was harder for me to really see it as a career when I wasn't getting paid or no one had invested in me. Um, I still think writers need to do that, and we have to because we have to basically start to create. We're our own agents until we get an agent, so we have to sort of act like we have, you know, that we're being paid for this. This is going to lead to something. This is going to be go out in the world, or but you do you do have to have a lot of trust in yourself that you're meant to do this while you're waiting for anyone besides your close friends to or your your mom and dad to care that you know. I mean, I think there were several years where, you know, I, I, I had gone to school and a lot of people like, what, what is Taylor doing? What is she trying to do? Like, and then once I had a book deal, I was like, oh, and I was like, oh, you're, you're actually a writer. And I was like, yeah, I've been a writer the whole time. I think that's something I've struggled with, especially once I became a self-employed writer. I started to develop this kind of very rigid definition of what work looked like, mm-hmm. you know, and it was really hard to take any sort of moment like what you're describing, because when I wasn't sitting at my keyboard, I felt like I wasn't actively earning money. And it's really hard to kind of teach yourself that that's how the process works. And that's a step in it is like kind of taking those experiences away and taking a walk, even as simple as that, or just reading or going places. And, you know, I started to think, well, no, if you're not emailing somebody, if you're not writing something. And, and while you were talking, I just thought of this, one of my professors, Darren Strauss at, at Columbia, he said something very helpful. He's like, just if, you know, just a page, just for that one uh, session, all you have to produce is one page. Well, just a page, double space, not even a single space page. That's a lot. And I still use that now sometimes of kind of what you were saying. What is work? Like, what is, you know, trying to structure that before it's all, yeah. 
Do you put limits on yourself, you know, when you're kind of having a dedicated writing week in the cabin? Are you thinking X number of hours or X number of words? I've gone into it being very ambitious sometimes, and then it hasn't quite worked out the way I want. I have to stay engaged with the character. So I'll just say to myself, stay engaged with the character, sit down. And even just rereading the last chapter I wrote, I'm still that way I'm still linked to the characters. Um, it's sometimes I've gone on these trips where I've been like, okay, you know, we're kind of do at least a page a day for, you know, X, X number of days. And then I've had, I had one trip where this was just a lovely experience. Just a ton came out and I was, I wrote one in one day, I wrote uh, like 10 to 15 pages, which is like completely not normal for me. I was like, whoa, but I could never have planned that. And then, you know, one day where I wrote, like, yeah, one or two pages. Um, if I can have a day where I'm writing, like, if I write, like, five pages, it feels, like, really, um, wow. So I have, I have an idea. Um, it's funny, my last trip, I went out there with these big plans. I had done several trips. Um, I have no deadlines. Like, I'm just, work, you know, working on the second book. And I really needed to rest from just the whole experience of putting the book out you know, doing a lot of stuff and events. And then I, re- I really went out there with, with some ambitions to work on this book. And it was very, my body and my brain were telling me, no, rest. And I really listened. I mean, I, I mean, and it's hard for me. I have a guilt complex, like you were describing there. I feel like I'm supposed to be doing stuff all the time. And it was like, nope. It was so clear. It was, and and I, I guess I've gotten to know myself better. It was just like, don't work on the book rest. So I think, yeah, learning to trust your body signals and meditation has been huge for me with that. Yeah. You can actually hear, right? Is that what you mean? Like you can hear what you're... And just like, I think for me, a big part of it was the kind of self-respect piece of just like taking that seriously, you know, not just noticing it, but then being like, you're hearing this for a reason. You're feeling this for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that comes with age and it's like, yeah, for me, I, yeah, it's, that's now like everything because you can really trust like, trust yourself, trust that there's a guy, like, you know, some sort of guiding intuitive voice. And you talked about sort of the exhaustion of putting that book out. Can you talk a little bit about being a debut author? And, you know, was that what you expected it to be like? I, I, you know, I got a really good, I had a really good experience compared to a lot of people. I had a really, really great agent. My editor is wonderful. And I was in a big house. So I, you know, I had a lot of great, you know, great things. Um, they did a great job with the cover art. Like there's a lot of things that were really great. There's so many things that you don't know and you have to constantly be balancing, you know, how often to email your agent and you know, you're in your editor, when to leave them alone, when to, you know, whose job is what. For a while, I didn't have other writers that I could, who are kind of at the same level, at least having the same kind of experience that I was, I could talk to. And I finally found people. So there were there were some wonderful surprises, some some really um, things that I wasn't expecting that you know I was worried about that were great. Well, actually, I was first nervous with my editor. I, you know, I was I was just I said to her, I don't know, my my fear just with not with her but with any editor would be that they would my my writing is strange, and I was scared that they were whoever I was going to work with was going to take like a vacuum cleaner and suck out all the bizarre stuff and try to make it a little more straightforward and and uh, I just that was my one request of you know that and she was like yeah no I get it preserve your voice like I got it you know and I was like and she didn't do that she didn't take out 
there's some really strange scenes, you know, where I mean, people read it and they look at me and they're like, what? You know, and, and those are the scenes I love. And, and she didn't take those out. You know, just these wonderful gifts you get or a really nice review where somebody really gets, you know, and you just never, you weren't expecting it. Or even, I, you know, when I was asking for blurbs, you know, people, I expected that to be really difficult and um, people were really generous, you know, and I hadn't talked to me to them in a while. And there's a lot of other things too, like, you know, the way different bookstores treat you and people ask sort of sometimes bizarre questions at readings. And it's like such a mixed experience of, of people really seeing you as sort of like having done this Herculean thing. And then some people just, yeah, like, like at a, you know, at a bookstore, you know, the, the employees just like, yeah, no one knows who you are. Like no one's heard, you know, and, and, and it's such a bizarre experience. It's really much more bizarre than I would have ever imagined, to be honest. At this point, are you able to sustain yourself with your writing? I was able to sustain sustain myself for a while, um, but then we had some financial stuff with um, my husband's going through school. And so for a while, yeah, for a while we were able to, and now, yeah, I have to supplement a little. Um, so I'm not quite at the point where I can just live off of my writing. Um, but it's, you know, definitely got at least for six months to a year, a feeling of, yeah, what that's like, of really just not having, having this be my income. You know, there's a real sense of pride, especially, you know, all the years of work and all the years of no place in the industry and then to have to be able to, yeah. So I, so there's definitely been a long stretch there where I was able to, and it's like, wow, this feels really good every day. Just very grateful to have that. Yeah. It's something that I kind of go back and forth on. I have phases about, you know, how, how much of a goal I think it should be. Cause I, cause I see the argument against it in a sense that, that it keeps you, you know, you have to crank out a lot of stuff and it, and it, I think it depends on how much you're able to kind of separate and keep a little corner carved for the stuff that you really want to be working on. And, you know, it's such a dance. It is a dance and it's true. And I think also like in terms of like advances and things like that, like, you know, even if somebody gets a really large advance, you know, as you know, 15% goes to the agent and then it's paid out over a course of a couple of years. So sometimes it's like, I'm just taking a number like completely um, a random number. Let's say someone gets a really big advance, like $500,000, which is a big advance. That's rare. It's great. But even that, I mean, it's, that's, that's, like a, that's a huge living. But that, even that 15% of that goes to agent, and it's paid out over the course of like two to three years as you hit certain milestones. So it's, it's still a great living. I mean, that maybe isn't the best example. That's pretty, let's <laughs> cut that in half and do it with that example. You know, you're basically making a regular person's salary, which is great, but um, and especially for a writer because the business is tough. But you know, sometimes I think as a debut person, you think you you see the advance and you think you're going to get all that at once, or it's going to, and it's it's it it's paid out, you know, over time. So it's sort of like, and a lot of people don't get the advance they want, you know, and they and they have to, you know, they 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 get you know something that they couldn't live off of, and you know, and and it's I think that's hard for them, you know, because it's like. Uh, this is it, you know. I mean, and then maybe their book wins some award or it sells really well, and they get some amazing royalties, or they get their, you know, their second book deal is like exponentially better, and they're just like, wow, you know. I mean, it's such a such a bizarre experience, but um, 
I know a lot of writers wish that they had higher advances. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, it is literally putting a price value on your work and yeah. to make that in, you know, so closely tied to what you feel is your artistic value in it. You want to be paid enough where you feel like you're being, you feel respected. But I mean, I think too, some, some of the debut people, they get paid a lot and then there's a lot of pressure and they don't understand the industry yet. And they're happy to have been paid well, but at the same time, there's a ton of pressure. And so it's interesting because, um, you know, I, I've seen certain writers who got, you know, they weren't happy with their advance, you know, under, you know, under six figures. And they're, you know, they're like, wow, I can't really live off of this. And then they ended up, because there wasn't a ton of pressure, they ended up doing all this stuff on their own. And you know, the book ended up selling really well and it exceeded the publisher's expectations and then they are in a great place. So it's interesting how some of these things play out. I mean, there's like a there's like an infinite variety of like ways that it can all but I think, you know, every writer wants to be feel like they're getting they're getting paid um money that they can live off of and not be so stressed out all the time about money. Cause it, it's it's harder to be relaxed and get into your writing but writers are amazing. They can they somehow manage to be have nine million things going on, be totally stressed out, doing freelance things, interviewing people, and still find time. I have a lot of respect for writers and what they have to go through. You'll find links to some of the things we talked about today on our website, WMFAPodcast.com. You can email us at hello at WMFAPodcast.com and find us on Twitter and Instagram at WMFA Podcast. Download and subscribe to the show on iTunes. Reviews are greatly appreciated. Or visit our website for more options. The WMFA logo was created by Unsold Studio, and our theme music is Jazz Dancer by Double Winter. Find them at doublewinter.bandcamp.com. WMFA is made in Detroit by Courtney Ballastier, LLC.